military was growing in our country and that the executive branch, the imperial presidency, was eroding the democratic underpinnings of our constitutional republic. But even at the time of the Vietnam War and the abuses of power known as Watergate, this awareness never gained sufficient traction to reverse a Cold War-driven transfer of power from the representatives of the people to the Pentagon and the various intelligence agencies, especially the Central Intelligence Agency. By the time the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, and with it the rationale for American containment policies, our leaders had become so accustomed to dominance over half the globe that the thought of giving it up was inconceivable. Many Americans simply concluded that they had won the Cold War and so deserved the imperial fruits of victory. A number of ideologists began to argue that the United States was, in fact, a good empire and should act accordingly in a world with only one dominant power. To demobilize and turn our resources to peaceful ends would, they argued, constitute the old-fashioned sin of isolationism. In the first post-Cold War decade, we mounted many actions to perpetuate and extend our global power, including wars and humanitarian interventions in Panama, the Persian Gulf, Somalia, Haiti, Bosnia, Colombia, and Serbia, while maintaining unchanged our Cold War deployments in East Asia and the Pacific. In the eyes of its own people, the United States remained at worst an informal empire. After all, it had no colonies, and its massive military forces were deployed around the world only to maintain stability, or guarantee mutual security, or promote a liberal world order based on free elections and American-style open markets. Americans like to say that the world changed as a result of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. It would be more accurate to say that the attacks produced a dangerous change in the thinking of some of our leaders, who began to see our republic as a genuine empire, a new Rome, the greatest colossus in history, no longer bound by international law, the concerns of allies, or any constraints on its use of military force. The American people were still largely in the dark about why they had been attacked, or why their State Department began warning them against tourism in an ever-growing list of foreign countries. Why do they hate us? was a common plaint heard on talk shows, and the most common answer was jealousy. But a growing number finally began to grasp what most non-Americans already knew and had experienced over the previous half-century, namely, that the United States was something other than what it professed to be, that it was, in fact, a military juggernaut intent on world domination. Americans may still prefer to use euphemisms like lone superpower, but since 9-11, our country has undergone a transformation from republic to empire that may well prove irreversible. It suddenly became un-American to question the Bush administration's war on terrorism, let alone a war on Iraq, or on the whole axis of evil, or even on the 60 or so countries that the president and his secretary of defense announced contained al-Qaeda cells, and so were open targets for unilateral American intervention. The media allowed themselves to be manipulated into using sanitized expressions like collateral damage, regime change, illegal combatants, and preventive war, as if these somehow explained and justified what the Pentagon was doing. At the same time, the government was making strenuous efforts to prevent the new International Criminal Court from ever having the option of considering war crimes charges against American officials. This book is a guide to the American Empire as it begins openly to spread its imperial wings. Its reach is global. As of September 2001, the Department of Defense acknowledged at least 725 American military bases existed outside the United States. 
Actually, there are many more, since some bases exist under leaseholds, informal agreements, or disguises of various kinds. And more have been created since the announcement was made. The landscape of this military empire is as unfamiliar and fantastic to most Americans today as Tibet or Timbuktu were to 19th-century Europeans. Among its recent additions are the Al-Udaid Air Base in the desert of Qatar, where several thousand American military men and women live in air-conditioned tents, and the Al-Mazira Island Naval Air Station in the Gulf of Oman, where the only diversion is Wadi Ball, a cross between volleyball and football. It includes expensive, permanent garrisons built between 1999 and 2001 in such unlikely places as Kosovo, Kyrgyzstan, and Uzbekistan. America's modern empire of bases also has its entertainment and getaway spots, much like those North Indian hill towns the administrators of the British Raj used for rest and recreation in the summer heat. The modern equivalents of Darjeeling...